everybody, and welcome to the Boy Hottie Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm Bill. And today we are joined by special guest... I'm Conley. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real... I was surprised there for a moment, actually. So, pause. we are doing this as awkwardly as possible. We're recording this uh, via Google Hangout like we do sometimes. Uh, Conley is actually in my house... But mm-hmm. because there's a feedback loop, if we were both on the computers in the office, uh, I have the door shut, and she's in my living room uh, with a separate computer awkwardly set on top of a side table. It's pretty uh, great. I yeah. have, like, a, just in case I need it, my lap desk is is this. People who are just listening can't see, but it's, like, <laughs> covering the entire... It's ridiculous. It's pretty great. <laughs> this is a quality podcast, yeah. you guys. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bill. how are you guys doing? How's how's, how's everyone Sundays? <laughs> Great. We went to Plaid Pantry before we started bod- broadcasting to get a healthy breakfast of uh, Hostess Donuts. I'm gonna call it brunch. Man, that's good times. Yeah, Conley did yeah. point out brunch more than breakfast. Yeah. So. What kind of Hostess Donuts? What flavor? We both got different flavors, actually. Because yeah. I, I would really... it's all about. I love the powdered sugar ones. I'm with Bill on this one. Yep. They're soft. And I got the um, crunch. They're not actually Mm -hmm. crunchy. They've just got like a kind of weird texture on them, but (laughs) I kind of like it. Texture doesn't sell as well as crunchy, so I have to zhuzh that a little bit. Right. Uh, we're fully not at work, or she here, that we would have the full donut demographic covered, because she is a chocolate-covered donut girl. Oh, well. Yeah, you know. Oh. Uh, everything. So, Conley is joining us this week, because she is freshly back from the Game Developers Conference down in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got back, uh, last night at, like, 920 PM. Did you not have any problems getting back? Because I heard there were a lot of flight delays and stuff. Getting there out. were a lot of flight delays. Um, and some of the other people in my group had their flights delayed. But I got really lucky on both of my flights. And I had awesome flights. On my flight there, uh, I didn't get to like pick my seat or anything. But it was on my mm-hmm. ticket. And it was like, see the desk. I'm like, uh-oh. And uh, I went up there. They're like, well, we're going to put you in the exit row. So I had the exit row seat next to the window. I could stretch my feet out all the way in front of me and not touch the other seat. Stop. Yeah, the exit row. You're by. Are you all by yourself? Is it just the one seat right next to the exit door? No, no, no. There were two other people. But did, did they did they do the thing where they actually ask you if you're willing to help out if there's yeah. an emergency and you? Do I was going to say yes. But they have to boot you out of the seat. Yes. Yeah. Who Conley, ever says no? Did you read the entire like exit safety manual? I were did. You prepared? I was ready. I was ready for the plane to crash. I was ready to be a hero. <laughs> That's what I like, want to hear. We all know what happened in Malaysia. We don't want to happen again. So I'm going to read this instruction manual. Luckily, I was on the plane. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to have a repeat of that incident. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. Buddy. No lost uh, yeah. circumstances or anything like that. Yeah. No. Oh man. So so GDC treated you pretty well though. You had a good time. Yeah. I, don't know if you I was just going to say go though on my. Right now or... On my flight back last night, I also lucked yeah. out. I was not on the exit row, but it was like a packed plane. And, uh, but the two people who were supposed to be in the row with me just didn't show up. Oh, really? So, like, everyone was crammed onto this plane except for me, and I had an entire row to myself. 
It was amazing. Did you, take a Did you like kick back and like take like sleep like sideways like you're on a couch? Uh, well, I was supposed to be on the aisle seat, but instead I like moved into the middle so I could like stretch my arms oh, yeah. out and just have all kinds nice. of room around me. And then there was like a 10 minute delay in them taking off, and so they um, to make it up to all of us decided to give us the in-flight direct TV for free. Nice. So I got the whole road of myself and spent the flight watching Thor 2 and Too Cute. It was awesome. So yeah, Too, too cute. cute. Y'all need to investigate Too Cute. It is available on Netflix. Uh, is this the numeral Too Cute? No. 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 It is T-O-O. They spell it correctly because they don't need gimmicks. No. To get you to watch cute puppies struggle to get on right coffee now. tables. It's incredible. You all need to watch Oh, cute it's an Animal Planet series about oh, cute yeah. pets? Yeah. Oh, no. It will show kittens or puppies as they grow up. Like yeah. from when they're little tiny, like eyes closed, oh, no. can't even walk, to when they're like rambunctious little kittens and or puppies. There are some gifts online of of corgis falling off. Of I've not heard table. about this show. You think this would be the rage of the internet? It's yeah. it's essential to the internet uh, concentrated and put on 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 the TV. Bill, when you watch it, you will recognize a lot of it from gifts. I'm just yeah. saying that. So like, oh since my god, the plane engines were a little loud to actually hear Thor. Like, any time it got a little slow, just switch back to kittens. Yeah, exactly. You're set. That's great. Yeah, if you Google too cute, uh, the first uh, YouTube uh, clip you get is, being tiny is tough. Uh-huh. Yeah, a little tiny baby kitten. Too yep. cute has a YouTube channel. Jimmy and I made the terrible discovery one night and literally spent two hours <laughs> watching through, like, every video on the – It's it was great. Oh Jesus Christ! I'm actually I'm literally watching this right now. Oh my God! I can see the reflection in your glasses as you watch. Exactly. (laughs) Oh dear Lord! I'm just saying, of all the things Bill could be watching, that's a pretty pretty good one. Yeah, (laughs) I'm gonna give him that one. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you, Conley. I'm ready. I've I've yet to see this Thor sequel. Mm-hmm. And I need to ask you about a different sort of cat. How much Cat Dennings is in the Thor sequel? There's a fair amount of Cat Dennings. Okay, good. She's, yeah, she's in it. She's good. What about my boy Idris? Huh? Yeah. In <laughs> fact, he gets a like he gets like a sweet action scene. Sweet. I'm yeah. on board. There's right. a there's a kitten called Tiny Dancer. Of course <laughs> there is, Bill. <laughs> I just I know you guys are talking about Idris Elba. I don't know Idris Elba and Cat Dennings takes takes precedence over Tiny Dancer, but holy shit, Tiny Dancer. Anyway, yeah, okay. Uh, no, I enjoyed uh, Thor: The Dark World better than the first Thor. Does Billy Corbin do anything? It, or is she just no, like she's there? Isn't she a scientist? Shouldn't be she be freaked out? She does. She does. She does some science stuff. World of Elves. Yeah. She does, yeah, she does sciencey stuff. She's I don't sciences. know, man. Yeah. Does she spend the whole movie like with, with like on her cell phone trying to get in touch with Neil deGrasse Tyson, going, "Oh my God, what the hell's going on, Neil? <laughs> you gotta help me out. What the fuck? You lied to me." Uh, my one complaint about Thor two is that it yeah. could use more Sif. Yeah, well. Uh, and that's like Sif's a super badass warrior lady. Yeah, and I'm not saying like. Sif wasn't in it because she was, but I like Sif oh, yeah. enough that I demand even more Sif. You know what? I'm glad. So she doesn't die in the movie or anything, right? No. no. Don't ask me spoiler questions, seems... but no, she doesn't. 
Oh no no no! Just because it seems like the tough tough warrior lady would be seem to be like the perfect character you would kill off to justify. If if you can't kill off Natalie Portman because she's a big part of the franchise, I could see them killing off the lady, uh, super warrior just to give like the 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 other guys a real reason to like try to strike back at the bad guys or I don't know. Okay. No comment. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh, no, 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 no! I gotta look up. Okay, Thor: Dark World. No, stop, you motherfucker! All right, hey, uh, what'd you do this week, Bill? I looked up the Thor: The Dark World synopsis uh, while also watching Tiny Dancer clips on YouTube. <laughs> my week has been comprised in the last five minutes of my life. I have just such an short attention span. No, I did, I was so busy with work stuff this week. All I did was continue to watch Clone Wars, uh, which I know everyone else on the podcast hates and ha- does not have an opinion about, including Connors. No opinions. I really like couldn't care less about Star Wars. Oh no, Star Wars, uh-uh. stupid. Yeah. Danny, do you mind if we just turn this into the Star Wars podcast? You, you know, I actually had to go to the bathroom, and I didn't get a chance for the podcast. So why don't you guys talk about Clone Wars for a little bit? <laughs> No, I'm only uh, halfway through the second season, so I didn't see, haven't seen that much. Oh, fantastic. They just started introducing all of the Mandalorian uh, troopers. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's where it gets really good. Did you meet Duchess? Yeah. Yeah! I was like, oh! Oh, he was got a girlfriend. It's super cute. I, well, you know what? I was really like It's not that he just has a girlfriend, but I like that they have a relationship that's not like a really clear cut, like, oh, I like her. She's my girlfriend. And she's like, oh, I like him. He's my boyfriend. I do like the fact that they're uh, attracted to each other, but they have a completely conflicting political positions. I, yes, I am already a million times more invested in the forbidden romance between Obi Wan and Duchess Satine than I ever was in the forbidden romance between Anakin yeah. and Padre. Like, it's, it's funny because they don't even try to draw any parallels between you know. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's another. Also, it's another Jedi in love with another senator, and they're not allowed mm-hmm. to you know talk about you know their their relationship or anything like that. But yeah, that's actually that's a relationship that actually makes sense, and I like the fact that they've been friends and they've known each other for like mm-hmm. a good decade or something too. It's not just like. Anakin and, and, and Padme that have well, I guess by the time of Attack of the Clones, they've known each other for a decade. But, but they, like they, they didn't know... actually see each other. Like they knew each other when he was a little kid, and it was weird. Yeah, um, and I like that. I don't know that yeah. that alone. The, the Satine character is is she's a mature enough of a lady character that I I don't think I don't know I think I've ever seen a character like that in a kids cartoon before. No, and I was noting like like I said. I think season two gets way better than season one. It's not all just clones yeah. and battle lords shooting at each other. They start to introduce. Yeah, season one really is just about the war. It's, and season yeah. two seems to start spinning off about like senatorial stuff and like the more the more the things that are happening around the war. It's not just about the clones. And this is like so, yeah. the the lowest bar to set. Um, but you got to keep them right at Star Wars, which is terrible at this. But I think in season two there are only two episodes that don't prominently feature at least one woman hmm i didn't think about that well it's nice that they at least have the man i remember when they first uh first unveiled the clone wars mm-hmm. and people were pissed off about the introduction of ahsoka tano the... well that i was one of them and the reason is because the movie is fucking terrible the movie is yeah. so well did you watch the movie yeah, it really does. Oh, you know what? That's the funny thing is because well, okay. So the 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 reason I'm watching the Clone Wars and the reason why everyone else on Twitter right now seems to be talking about the Clone Wars is because because this Clone Wars CGI animated cartoon just uh, got dumped onto Netflix. But it doesn't. Uh, they I don't think they've actually put the movie on Netflix. When you mm-hmm. first start watching the cartoon, you just start off with 
it's um there's no context for anything it's right. you just start off with uh it's Yoda and a bunch of clone troopers on a I forgot what planet they are, but they're they're just there, and Anakin's already running around with the, with the Ahsoka. Right. And there's no, I mean, you don't need to. If you've seen the live action movies, you don't need a lot of context, but it doesn't explain why Ahsoka's there. Or, uh, yeah, it's 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 yeah. Right. Well, before they kinda... before they started the show, they did this movie that they released to theaters, and it was awful. And I I love Star Wars, and so you know it's like I have to go see it. And Is I, it objectively bad? Like even if you're a fan of the Clone Wars, there's really not that much there for you in the movie. Awful. Well, when no. they introduce Ahsoka, she's very different than how she is in the TV show. Okay. She's this like completely obnoxious. Her thing is that she comes up with nicknames for everybody, and okay. like she comes in and they're like, "This is." Doesn't she call? This is she called Anakin Sky Guy? Yes, barf. And like, which I've heard, I've heard people make fun of her about that, but I've watched the first season and a half, and I don't think she's actually mentioned that no, once. They totally dropped it in. The uh, show. Anakin calls her Snips, and that's that's the only kind of like cutesy thing. Yeah, they, they, they dropped it in the show, which is great. Like, it was okay, cool. It was yeah. bad. Like, she comes in, they're like, "This is Anakin's Padawan," which first off is fucking stupid. Who in their right mind would give Anakin his own Padawan? That's well, yeah, so no, that, that, I, that's, so, that's what I'm saying. When a lot of people were complaining about the setup for the Clone Wars movie, the idea that like someone decides, despite the fact that Anakin's not even a Jedi Master yet, he's right. still a Padawan himself, but they decided yeah. to give him his own Padawan. So stupid. That doesn't make any sense. So dumb. So so they yeah. um, like bring her in in the movie, and she's like so... Yeah, just like nicknames for everybody. And I know you're a bunch of Jedi Masters, but you should listen to me because I know better than all of you. Like that, and it's just the most all. So yeah. I didn't like her for that reason, and also because my favorite Jedi is Shakti, who is um also it, that's the lady that's the same species, right? Right. She's got the big headdress and and so ah- Ahsoka was stealing Shakti's thunder by oh. like. Whatever. So I didn't I like her. Admit, I'm a Luminari and whatever her last name. Yeah, is. I do yeah, love Luminari. I'm very black. Um, yeah. but the show Ahsoka is way better than she was in the movie. I like Ahsoka now, but like I, I really did. Well, not. Well, the show she comes off as sassy, but she's not like overwhelmingly like she's not like the poochie. She's not trying to be yeah. like she's not like she doesn't pretend like she's got all the answers. She's actually at least humble enough that she's yes. tolerable. Yeah. You should you should uh, watch the movie at some point. You'll kind of. Okay. The the one thing that made me uh, even re- uh, remind me that reminded me of how terrible I've heard people talk about the Clone Wars being is that the the season finale for the first season they bring back Zero the Hut, yes, the kind of weird Truman Capote, which is from the movie. Is that supposed awful. to be Jabba the Hutt's kid? I think it's his cousin. Or something like that. But for some reason, yeah, you got this. You got this. 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 This kind of like. Hut guy, this job of the Hut guy, except he's got like neon green tattoos and he sounds like Truman Capote. He's like, Yeah, that oh, was. Thank you for it. That was from the Homage. movie. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell? And there's like a, a baby Hut. I was really and mad at those yeah. nicknames for everybody. Don't worry. Yeah, Zero the Hut is so bad that like it's, it's, it's when he sh- finally shows up in the Clone Wars cartoon, he seems, he doesn't he actually seem to fit the rest of the yeah. universe because he's such a weird cartoon because the rest of the characters are textured enough even anakin's like cool and tall like, anakin's an okay character and everyone hates him in the live action movies but yeah no I'll, i'm really knocked out by the by this cartoon yeah, i like, it 
I loved the second season of Clone Wars. And that's after mm-hmm. hating the movie so much that I mm-hmm. did, like refused to watch this show for a long time. And watching the first season and being kind of like, eh, it's more Star Wars, but I'm kind of bored. It's meh. Yeah. And then like second season is like the animation is better. The stories are better. The, like they bring in a lot more like other Jedi and stuff like that. It's like yeah. way better. Um, we're partway through season three now. Oh, so you, oh, I thought maybe you'd, you'd watched the whole thing already. I've been so busy getting ready for the GDC stuff and all that. I assume this is like you'd been watching it once it was first airing and now, oh, okay, okay. I thought I thought this whole series was like old hat to you. I thought you No, were like, I refuse to watch it. Oh, wasn't it, it cute like... that everyone else is getting into this bullshit now too? No, no, no. Uh, well, we, we did start watching it before we knew they were going to release it on Netflix because we live next to Mikey Nielsen. Yeah. And um, we were like borrowing it from him, but we were just watching it really slow because okay, it took yeah. so long to get through season one. Um, and then, like, around the time we got to season two is when we found out they were putting it on Netflix. Okay. Very so, cool. um, um, well, this is the other thing, too, because I've always, uh, even people who have listened to the podcast before can attest to the fact uh, how much I hate the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Not that much, not that as mm-hmm. much as I hate the Star Wars Expanded Universe, but everything that's not been connected to the live-action films has always seemed kind of like glorified fan fiction. Sure. In terms of its quality. And I and, say that as someone who loves the Throne trilogy, but I can absolutely... I mean, I read that. It was still a clone of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, that's right. He wasn't a clone. Chorus Sebaoth or whatever his name yeah, was. Yeah, that... I that forgot he was supposed to be a clone of Obi-Wan. What's that? But Mara Jade is cool. Yeah, it's not just kind of like... But there's a lot of stuff about the universe that I really hate. I th- I think Star Wars is best as like a live act well not a live action thing but I think it's best when it's the the, the best parts of Star Wars don't come across when it's a co- like when it's a comic book or a prose novel I think Star Wars is is such a product of old time uh, serials from the 1930s and 40s that when it's translated to a different medium it kind of loses some of its immediate kind of goofy simple charm sure. And that's one of the things that the Clone Wars, even more than the live-action movies, really mm-hmm. accentuates is yeah, that serialized. Yeah. But, like, everything's kind of, like, heightened and cartoony enough that it's really easy to get into, but it's still nice and dramatic without being too melodramatic. Mm-hmm. And it's – this the Clone Wars is the first piece of Expanded Universe stuff I've ever seen where uh, – if, if I were J.J. Abrams right now working on new Star Wars stuff, this is – the, the uh, Clone Wars is the one thing I would – pluck out of the expanded universe and treat that as canon when writing future star wars movies yeah and if, if you had to go back and 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 let any of the pre, uh, stuff from the prequels be canon i don't know it's 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 uh, yeah i'm impressed let's put it that way yeah i've like i said really enjoyed season two i've liked season three so far too um mm-hmm. but yeah season two was fantastic look for my uh obi-wan and duchess of teen fan fiction soon oh uh, yeah you know. so she hasn't been killed <laughs> off or anything yet huh she hasn't been killed off again this is another so mm-hmm. seems like another female character i can totally see them doing the thing where they kill her off just to mm-hmm. make uh, obi-wan another justification for wanting to kill people or, mm-hmm. or like get revenge or there's and a I've, political plot I've that some, he has to i've read some stuff about the i usually hate spoilers but i've accidentally read some stuff about the later season of the clone wars that kind of make me uh-huh. eh. Um, yeah. You meet we'll Yoda's see. sister? Huh? 
Oh, you, you mean we'll Yoda's see, hot sister? Uh, we'll see when we get there, like, kind of how they go about it. But, um, meh. We'll see. Yeah, no, we, we can save more Clone Wars talk for when we inevitably end up doing a Star Wars special. Like, I'm yeah, serious absolutely. about it. Either we do a dedicated uh, one offshoot, one one episode offshoot of Boy Howdy that's just all Star Wars. We'll have you and like a boy, uh, Mike Russell and, and, and Bobby Roberts on, mm-hmm. or we'll 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 actually all end up on this uh, full of Sith podcast. And we'll we'll yeah, about yeah. Clone Wars and things on there sometime. But yeah, I'll yeah, I, I have my own feelings about prequel new or the sequel trilogy news. And I'm sorry, yeah, what was that? I've got a lot of Star Wars feelings. Um, yeah, we'll finish Clone Wars and then come back and talk. Yeah. It won't be long now, but. GDC is over and I can um, do stuff like watch cartoons without feeling overwhelming guilt at all the work I need to be doing. Did you have to do a lot of stuff? Uh, uh, was, was your schedule kind of fucked up by getting ready for GDC in the last week or two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of stuff that I needed to get done. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Annie. Oh, oh, my, oh. Annie oh, totally muted herself. And... Do I get to talk now? Yeah. yeah. Annie, who's your favorite Star Wars character? I was the joke I was struggling to make, but you wouldn't let me talk was I was mad that they stole my uh, fan character, the Truman Capote job of the hut. <laughs> that was my joke. It was gonna be really funny, but oh well. You could have just interjected uh, in I didn't know that you were even listening. Oh I was actually I am uh, playing what am I playing? This is Marvel Puzzle what's it called? Marvel Puzzle Quest or something like that? How many people did we lose with all that Star Wars talk? Uh, three. Okay. <laughs> what are we down to? You will never know. Bill's not allowed to host the Google Hangouts anymore because he gets too distracted by the count. Um, well, Annie, did you see that? Uh, well, I, uh, one last bit of Clone Wars talk, but Clone Wars 2, the second season, ends with uh, J.D. Salinger Wookiee, who just lives by himself in the woods and refused to talk to anybody. It's <laughs> a really good joke. Yeah. <laughs> And he keeps on writing love letters to young female Wookiees, and it's kind of, people are kind of freaked out and stuff, but it's a, yeah, I don't know. Have I talked about my Star Wars fan characters on the podcast? I'm ready. No. I, yeah, this is it. A, a friend and I actually made our own Star Wars race. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were called the Yetaperf, uh, which spelled Y-E-T-T-E-P-E-R-R-F. Um, they were three foot tall, red, kind of ferret things with spiked tails. And, uh, yeah, I had, I had a, my Perf was a mechanic named Sabat. I'm just saying, you guys, it's pretty good. I, when I went back That's to Texas, I found. Star wars enough. I yeah. know. And when I went back to Texas, I found my friend's art, like all the Yetaperf she had drawn. I was like, oh man, we saw I will sometimes show you the Star Wars race that I made up. Yeah. When I was younger. Uh huh. Um, which was based mostly on the fact that I did not like drawing a lot of fingers and I didn't like drawing noses. <laughs> <laughs> noses? <laughs> so what did, they, what did this race look like? I'll, uh, I'll draw you pictures sometime. <laughs> They were like gray, uh, and had like kind of like kind of like large eyes, small mouths, no noses, not like Kaminoans. They were like I don't yeah. know, man. I'll like I'll draw your picture sometime. <laughs> but no, I definitely had my own Star Wars fan characters. <sighs> and then Jimmy anyway, and I have some Star Wars fan characters sometime. Aww. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, friends. Okay, mm-hmm. so, uh, Bill, what'd you do this week? 
I made up my own Star Wars race. <laughs> yes, Phil. It's just it's just giant talking boobs. Mm. It's great. So what I did this week was I watched. <laughs> I watched. It's, a, it's really just a giant boob with two goobs above the nipple. I watched a shit ton of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, I've heard good things about that show. Uh, it's interesting because it's one of the it's Michael Shore who was on he was a writer on The Office and a writer and creator of um, Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I put it off because I'm not a big Andy Samberg fan and he's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But what's really great about it is it's about a uh, police station in New York and Brooklyn, and um, so you've got Andy Samberg as your white protagonist. You've got your two sad sack cops who've been there too long uh you've got andy sandberg's best bro but then you have two latinas and two black guys and you are as likely at any point to see two non-white male characters on screen having a conversation as you are the white male characters very nice kind of fantastic also the chief of police is not only a black guy but he's a gay black guy and it's kind of fantastic. But not like a funny gay black guy. It's not like gay panic black guy. No, no. He's like this okay, big, good. solemn, morose, like n- no emotion showing guy. It was funny as hell. And it's got Terry Crews in it, Bill. Wait, what? Is he, wait, is he, is, is he playing the gay police captain? No, no. He's the sergeant of, uh, he's kind of like the, the sergeant in charge of everybody. It's Holy really great. You know what? The, by virtue of the fact that you just said Terry Crews, that's the magic word right there. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I feel like it's like if um, Parks and Rec and Scrubs had a baby, that's kind of what the show feels like. It's got a little more of the broad, goofy humor of Scrubs. And then they're trying to do the interpersonal kind of relationships of Parks and Rec. I don't think they've mm-hmm. quite. Like Calamity John pointed out in on Twitter the other day that he doesn't think they quite earned those relationships and like the relationship beats they're trying to hit. And I agree with that, but it's still pretty goddamn funny and very charming. And like I said, non-white male characters on screen. It's very exciting. Isn't one of the guys from the state on there? And isn't there a bit? It's funny because I just started hearing a lot about Brooklyn Nine-Nine this week because the I guess the AV Club did an article about how. One of the big character arcs is one of the guys. There's a uh, he's like he, an unrequited love relationship with the lady that he's just spent the like the la- the whole season trying to get in her pants, and he finally got her on a date or something like that. Well, that hasn't happened yet. So thanks, Bill. Spoilers. He right now the dude who's in unrequited love is uh, engaged to Mary Lou Henner, who by the way aged really well, super yeah. well. But yeah, it's it's the little pug pug face guy from the state, right? I never watched the state. Oh, okay, okay. Well, the state did is like twenty years old. I can't blame you for not watching the state. Um, but I have seen um, what's it called? Uh, what Hot American Summer? So I've seen. I know I'm familiar with the state as much yeah, as. I've never seen that. Is that supposed to be a whole bunch of state people? Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Show funny, I watch, I laugh. The end. That's all I got. I like that. That was that, that was a good wrap up to that. Thanks. Just Thanks. Really uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> what, anyway. what, what do you think of Brooklyn Nine Nine, Conley? I've never seen it, so I'm okay, sitting and listening. I'm absorbing. It's a good show. Um, I'm taking okay. in this knowledge for my future um, potential. Television viewership choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I agree. 
Always. Okay. Yeah, no, he was the the partner guy was in Wet and Hot American Summer, so that's how I know this guy. Anyway, you uh, know what? I, the weird the weird gaps between us talking on this week's episode. I I'm assuming we're we're presenting this week's episode in uh, listener and uh, listener contribution vision, where the weird gaps between us talking is where the audience listening can talk back while they're listening on their iPod. There we go. Perfect. Yes, Bill. So that's where, if I wasn't on the show right now, that's where I would be sitting at my desk listening and yelling. Yes. Going, you're wrong. Yes. Or, how dare you forget Gladys's name, Annie? (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering if you, when you were going to give me shit for that. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So the other thing I did this week was I uh, started to work through my stack uh, of comics. I've gotten into a terrible ha- habit at the comic shop where I go to the comic shop, I pick up all my comics, I read the sixth gun, and then I just put the rest of my comics down. And I have a stack of comics. I'm not even exaggerating. Oh, that sucks, yeah. About five inches high of comics I need to read. So I started working with no, your pull st- your pull stack is pretty Yeah. Do, Bill, do, are we delayed a little bit? You, you, you. I think. So. <laughs> yes, I think so. Just a touch. You've been extra interrupted. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so no, I, I, my, I don't have a whole lot of books in my pull list. But I mean, when you don't read your comics for six months, it's easy for that shit to pile up. But uh, I did read uh, one thing that came out this week. I think was a new League of Extraordinary Gentlemen book. The last two League books have been about Nemo's daughter and her adventures, which has been kind of interesting, kind of rad, mostly just because I hated so much what, like, the whole century bullshit with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I've been so delighted with this. And it's kind of fun to have a female protagonist in these books because the best part of the League book was uh, the original volume was Mina. So um, mm-hmm. this one was just kind of great because it was about uh, Nemo's uh, Nemo wreaking bloody bloody vengeance against the Viking or excuse me the Vikings, the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And anytime I'm reading a league book and uh, I recognize a pop culture reference, I'm way too proud of myself. <laughs> and sure enough, it happened this time. I recognize the robot from Metropolis. One point for Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was it, though. I think that was literally all I recognized in the whole book, though. So You got that one. I'm proud of you. Thank you, Codley. That's what I was looking for. You should for. feel really good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. <sighs> but it's some good shit. It's 56 pages of fun. I'm glad to see uh, after your disappointment with Leave Your Friend of the Gentleman that it's actually good. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a goofy good time and there's there's nothing wrong with a uh, lady-led vengeance. I'm always down for that. I it's my favorite genre. Yeah. Yeah. Lady revenge. All about it. Uh the only other thing I, I, I just started... Go ahead, Bill. Man, we are delayed or something like that. Yeah, cuz yeah. I don't mean to be this. <laughs> Go ahead, Bill. I'm yes. done. You can go. No, I was going to say, if, have you guys seen that Kidberry eggs are back? It is that time of year. Man, this shit's good. You know what's actually even better that uh, my housemate introduced me to? Reese's Kidberry eggs? caramel eggs. Mm. Ooh. Wait, what flavor was that, Bill? Caramel. 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 You mean caramel. Caramel. You've seen all the coupons I got for these caramel <laughs> eggs. <laughs> not, not, you know what? Someone offered me coupons for caramel <laughs> eggs. 
And I was like, what the fuck, Spanish, are you speaking at me? And I punched him and ran and crying. <laughs> That's a good call, Bill. I was scared. It's a good call. I'm all about the Reese's eggs. You guys watch Hannibal this week? Oh, man, Reese's eggs. You know what? Oh, yeah. Did you see the... Did you see the giant Reese's eggs? No. Mm-hmm. There's Reese's eggs out there like the size of like a baby's hand. Oh wait, no, that's really small. <laughs> Whenever I see the giant Reese's stuff, I'm always scared to death. Cause you know when you get a Reese's cup, it's either really, really good or it tastes kind of chalky and shitty. You know what I'm talking about? You ever get a bad Reese's egg or Reese's peanut butter cup? Yeah, you gotta yeah. kind of get the rancid peanuts in there, yeah. Yeah, so whenever I see a giant Reese's peanut butter cup, I'm like, you know what? In a in a bag of two, I've got a shot. I've got a 50-50 chance. If I just have one giant Reese's, that's a hell of a crapshoot. I'm uh, um, I'm really glad that I'm not at the chocolate shop anymore for these candy-based uh, candy-based holidays. Yeah, I could understand that. Yeah, how is it that you don't weigh 300 pounds and have terrible teeth? Uh, I do have terrible teeth, but I also have Aww. a high metabolism, so that's covered. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Very yeah. good. Yeah, because um, you worked at, can can you, can you are you allowed to say what? what the... Yeah, yeah, I, I worked at Moonstroke Chocolate. It was kind of great. Yeah! Um, but also, there were people. I'm not talking my co my coworkers were great, but there's like the public. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just like the um, humans. Yeah. Although, we did... We do have um, giant chocolate bunnies that come in around Easter time. Mm-hmm. And I went back the other day, I saw that the giant bunnies were in. But all the staff gets to name the bunnies and like write bios for each one. So when you like, buy this incredibly expensive bunny, like yeah. you're, you're adopting this, this bunny that the staff has, has named. So that was kind of fun. I missed that. Man, I'm just imagining eating a giant chocolate bunny. Yeah. Mm. I did a I did a, a Back to the Future bunny last time. Nice. I named. Oh, like how, how did you decorate it for that? No, we didn't decorate it. We just got to name them and write their bios. Did you name him Marty? Oh, McCop? okay, okay, okay. I did name him Marty McCop. <gasps> really? Yes. Oh my God, Conley, let's be friends forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Did you did you make a Doc Brown bunny? No, no, no. Oh, okay. My joke was better, Bill. Uh, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you're going to give him a friend. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, now I, I think my internet is speeding up because now I can actually hear your jokes in real time. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so, but yeah, no, so I did see, yeah, no, Reese's eggs, like, the size of, like, your fist is all I'm saying, that they're out there. I saw them at Fred Meyer's the other day. No, man, that'd just be too much of a crapshoot. What if it's a bad one? What if it's a rancid peanut butter? butter? It's a good kind, though. If, it, if you get lucky, you get really lucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Bill, it answered your question, no, I have not seen this week's Hannibal yet. Uh, Conley, do you watch Hannibal? Uh, I've watched, like, the first couple episodes of the first season, but they just put it on Amazon Prime, yeah. I think. Yeah. So we can yeah, finally yeah, I think just watch it all. Prime's the only place to watch it now, unless you just buy it from iTunes or just watch Again, it. Again, well, if you put want it to on there. It. But we're already yeah. watching Clone Wars and yeah. have all the GDC stuff to get ready for. So yeah. we'll watch it. We'll watch it. It's just a matter of okay. setting aside the time. I still can't get over spoilers. His suit that he, this one suit he is wearing this season, which is like gray with this vivid red window pane plaid. 
it's astonishing. Like my my television can barely render the reds that are in this in this suit. It is nuts. Man, whenever he gets caught and he's just forced to wear like normal clothes, like half the reason to watch the show is gonna go right in the toilet because he's I know. not wearing suits anymore. Those yeah. suits, son. That's what I'm talking They're gonna about. They're gonna an excuse like he somehow like sears himself into a suit they can he can never remove. <laughs> like he's there a shapeshifter and the suit is just an extension of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the other thing I did this week was um la uh so a friend of the podcast, Jacob, uh streamed some infamous for us the other night. And it looks like he was just talking to me about it. It looked like it was kind of fun. And then yesterday I was talking to um Jimmy about it, and I was convinced. So last night we went to uh, Best Buy and picked up a copy, and I'm only a little bit into it, and it's it's fun. Um, we'll have to have a larger conversation next week. I invited actually Bill. I should, probably should have told you this. I told Jacob that he could come on the podcast. We could talk about it once I ex- actually experienced it a little more. We could actually have a conversation. Wait, Jacob, who? I hate DRM. He's been on the podcast multiple times. Oh, that Jacob. Okay. <laughs> I still I still mostly know people through their uh, their Twitter handles. <laughs> that's that's valid. So um, oh, my egg is bleeding. Ugh. But uh, what's interesting about this game is that it, the reason why I was excited is that I think it's the first game I've played that was designed for the PS4 only, and so it's really yeah. That's cool. why a lot of people are flipping out about this. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's 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 is beautiful. Like the environments are fantastic in it. I, in what I played, I played very little, like maybe an hour of it. But um, mostly, what I keep thinking is, holy shit, I can't wait to play a Naughty Dog game on this. Cause God mm-hmm. damn, like the, it's it's pretty, but it's still like there's still like just a little things that are just like little details that aren't quite there. Either they didn't have time or resources or whatever. Bill, what are you doing? What do you mean? What am I doing? I just hear the sound that's like tap tap sound. Are you yeah. tapping at your egg? Oh no, I put my egg down. My egg is leaky. <laughs> okay. I I did the thing where so I have a Cadbury cream egg and it accidentally split in half during the seam. No. And now I got coming out of it, but I don't want to eat it because it'll make sounds on the podcast. But now it just looks like, ooh, it's got it's like egg cream pie. It's gross. <laughs> um, I don't really like Infamous much. Yeah, I was excited yeah. more because it took place in Seattle. So last night I just made Jimmy like run around and show me all the Seattle stuff, and like I guess it's pretty exciting. But you can <laughs> run around outside the Pacific Science Center. Yeah. But you can't push the ball, the like rolly ball outside. It's Aww. there, but you can't push it. So what's the point? That's a weird <laughs> oversight, yeah. Uh, you can't go in the Science Center. You can't ride the monorail. There's like some can weird you jump knockoff. On monorail? I don't know, man. There's like a weird knockoff Pike Place Market. It's called Seattle Fish Market. It's not Pike Place Market. There's no Maybe. EMP. Why bother? Darn, you see, that's what I was wondering about that because like, you could see, you could see the space needle off in the distance, but I was, it didn't look like the EMP was at the you, base, and I was like, what the? F- that's, you can, you can. That is weird licensing. Climb stuff. on the space needle, but you can't ride the yeah. elevator. Aww. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. So it's totally fake ass Seattle. Okay, generic land Seattle. Okay, fuck it. They do have the pink elephant car wash. Okay, good. Can you can you uh is Fraser a boss? <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Okay. Do you How about that do you toss? Do not the salad and, and scrambled eggs out of his hands and then he down the <laughs> <flight> of stairs. <laughs> yep. 
anyway, that's that's my infamous review. I enjoy your Frasier-based humor, Bill. Can't push the rolling ball. Zero out of ten. Uh, Conley, were you watching? Were you there last night when uh, Jimmy was uh, streaming the film? No, that was uh, while I was in in transit. Oh, okay. No, because I, I I was watching him last night. And it seemed it was just it was the first time I've I've actually gotten a chance to see a uh, such a pretty PS4 game being streamed live last night it was one uh, just. Watching. I I think I was also grumpy because I got home really late. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. wanted to go to sleep. Yeah. And Jimmy was like, I gotta yeah. show you Infamous. I was like, I wanna go to bed. <laughs> so that could have been making me like, extra uh, upset that I couldn't yeah. participate in all my normal Seattle activities. He's like, it's not a Seattle simulator, Conley. I'm like, I don't care. I'm disappointed. This is a PS4. I expect better. <laughs> this is literally why I bought the system, was to roll the rolly ball outside of the Science Center. Yeah. Exactly. Or beat up nerds at PAX. <laughs> Yeah, like if if I can't participate in all of my normal Seattle activities within this imaginary Seattle, I'm I'm not interested. Yeah, why bother? You know what? Uh, I'm not going up to Emerald City Comic Con next weekend, but I might just buy a copy of Infamous and kind of pretend that I'm up in Seattle. There you go. Just go to whatever area the fake convention center is in and just kind of hang out around like outside. Yeah. I, I can wait in line at, at the fake uh, Cheesecake Factory right across the street. There you go. Throw cheesecakes Perfect. at people. Excellent. See if there's a cheesecake power in the game. There you go. <laughs> there's only one way to find out, Bill. What were oh, the drinks that you bought at the Cheesecake Factory, Annie, that you got swindled into paying like $14 for like a lemon drop? I bought a lemon drop that was $12. That's what it was. Dear Lord. It's almost like the Cheesecake Factory is located right across the street from a convention hall where they could scam people. You know what? The moral of the story is when a drink is not on the menu, you should ask how much it fucking costs. Exactly. $12. It was like a little baby-sized drink, too. (sighs) Oh, so speaking of drinks, still sober, everybody. There was actually Congratulations. There was a night this week when I was really, really in a bad mood and really wanted to go have a drink. But I actually did stop and think, then you'd have to go on Boy Howdy and tell everybody that you lapsed and how much would that suck. Did you, uh, yeah, you said you were actually, like, trolling the the booze aisle at at the Plaid Pantry, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to my uh, local convenience store and uh, just kind of walked up and down the beer aisle staring at it very hard, thinking very, very hard. Instead, I took a long walk to a... drugstore and bought some nail polish i think that's why i had a bad dream that you were in trouble yeah those tweets that's it i don't remember my dream on the last night at gdc i slept for maybe like three hours and i was having some kind of restless dream that annie was in trouble just like (laughs) 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 maybe you were like maybe you'd been kidnapped Maybe yeah. it's some kind of emotional trouble. I don't even know. All I remember is waking up and being like, is Annie okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for looking out for Dream Me, bro. Yeah. I appreciate it. Looking out. <laughs> but yeah, so I just played a little bit of Infamous. I'll have some more to say about it next week. But it's it's interesting because it's a super video gamey video game where it's like, you have to do X and Y because we told you to, because the game needs you to, as opposed to there being any sort of organic reason for it or yeah. Yeah. Game Collect ten cups of coffee. Exactly. Exactly. Uh is there parkour in that game? Like 
you jump. There's not really free running, no. Okay, yeah, I don't know if it was kind of like an it's like Assassin's Creed thing where you're really kind of like... Because I know you can teleport, like you can turn into smoke and go up vents and shit like that, but I don't know if there was any kind of like external... I mean, you're superpowered. Why would you do parkour if you can like just fly around? Yeah, that's a good point. Sure, you I guess fly. if anything, then it should play more like Saints Row 4, huh? You yeah. can turn into smoke. You, can, yeah. you have superpowers, but I'm just saying. Can't ride the monorail. No sale. <laughs> just love the monorail. That's the deal breaker. You gotta have your line. Everybody's gotta draw the line in the sand. Yeah. You know? uh, I respect yeah, that. Yeah, I just played... The only thing I played this week is I, I beat two bosses in Dark Souls 2, and that's the only video game stuff I did this week. Which, granted, uh, considering how tough the uh, bosses are in Dark Souls 2, that's actually... That's probably not the 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 the, the smallest moment. Like that, that that's not nothing. Let's put it that way. But yeah. how, how how many times have you died, Bill? Uh, bazillion already. It's funny because uh, right at the beginning of the game, there's a big tombstone that you can go up to, and it'll, it actually tallies the deaths of everyone who's been playing online. Mm-hmm. And last I saw, it was like up to tw- uh, like twenty million deaths. Nice. That was like <laughs> earlier this week. So God knows what it's up to now. But yeah, that game mm-hmm. was fucking rough. That's pretty fantastic. Uh... All right, Bill. Let's see. You killed some bosses in Dark Souls. Watched Hannibal. I read some comics. Played video game. Uh, Conley, do you want to give us a little bit of your report from GDC? Uh, I went to GDC. <laughs> it happened. Uh, had some meetings. Went to some parties. It's good time. What was the best thing? The coolest thing that happened to you at GDC? I had a really great Wednesday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went and hung out with um, Anna the Red, who, for those of you who may not know, she does a lot of like plushies and stuff that you may have seen online. Like she did the, um, she did a really cool songbird one that she gave to the Bioshock Infinite people. Mm-hmm. She did a giraffe, like from The Last of Us, that she gave to Neil Druckmann. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, she did a really cool Raz that's posable that she gave to Tim Schafer. Um, so, like, you may have seen some of that around. She's really nice. Went and got lunch. And then we went and visited Double Fine. Hung out there for, like, an hour and a half. It's really good. Uh, and then that night, I went to the Wild Rumpus party, which was really fun, really busy. Mm-hmm. I went to a Sony party, which was incredibly opulent. <laughs> uh like, it was, how was it opulent? What was what was the thing? I walked in and was immediately handed a free glass of champagne. Ooh. Uh, there was a table to the side that was a like cigar rolling station where there was a woman just like rolling cigars, free cigars to hand out to people. Man, that's fantastic. There was like all kinds of fancy hors d'oeuvres. There was a live like jazz quintet. There was, um... Holy shit, okay, yeah. Yeah. For GDC, like, for E3, that would probably actually probably be kind of a low-key thing, but for GDC, where it's just a bunch of game developers just hanging out and shooting the shit, that, that's a hell of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that still kind of speaks to Sony's still catering to schmucks, trying to, like, get them, like, hey, come on, let's, let's make stuff for us, please. Here's some free champagne. Come up with some ideas. <laughs> let's kill Xbox. It was good. It was it was a little too fancy for me. I left after about forty minutes to go to the Wild Rumpus. Yeah. No, what was the Wild Rumpus party? The Wild Rumpus party was. I don't even know how to. 
there were about a billion people crammed into this space, loud music, uh, and a bunch of games. Um, like I think Keita Takahashi had a thing there, and really? um, Natasha. Was it Natasha Lady? I don't know. Someone had some kind of like this game called like Muscle Cat Showdown. Oh no, I can't hear any again. Sorry, sorry. I saw pictures uh, of Muscle Cat Showdown. What the heck is Muscle Cat Showdown? Uh, Muscle Cat Showdown was um, muscly, colorful cat men, and you have to pose them correctly using the analog sticks. Oh. And whoever like poses correctly wins is kind of incredible. You should all go look it up. Wow. I didn't get to play any games. Oh that's really? Why, that's why my report on the games is really bad. Um, because there were, I'm gonna guess, about a billion people there crammed into a space. Yeah. That Sounds about right. Um, so I spent most of my time in the corner, sitting up on top of a bar like with a sketchbook, just kind of drawing and waiting for people I knew to walk by. Yeah. And then like I could stop them as they, as they approached. Yeah. But it was still a good time. Uh, yeah. So Wednesday was great. Everything else was okay. So tell me about, you went to the, not to make you all weepy on our podcast, but you went to the one reason to be panel. I did. Um, which kind of like destroyed the rest of my day. <laughs> it, was, it was uh really good i'm assuming that they're gonna put it up for free on the gdc website later i hope so i really uh, like yeah because it was one that even people with just an expo pass could get into and with those i think they usually put them up online like i think yeah. you can see last year's one reason to be panel there um, yeah so those of y'all who don't remember there was a hashtag floating around on twitter called um the number one reason which was the reasons why there weren't more women in the games industry or why the games industry was um unwelcoming to women and in response to that there was the number one reason to be hashtag which was took it all on a more positive bent that was like the reason why girls girlfriends gotta look out for each other uh why there need to be more women in the industry and what people were doing to make that happen and so this panel was kind of an exploration of those subjects and it sounded really really good and i haven't heard anyone who saw it describe it without describing how much they wept so <laughs> yeah it was it was really good um they had a, a really good variety of speakers um from someone who had been working making games in the industry for a long time um they had a someone who was a student someone who was a teacher um uh, someone who has been in the industry for a while, but just now actually led their first project, and then like a an indie developer who had just put out a game that was nominated for the IGF awards. Um, it sounds was like a really, really nice good, holistic perspective, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, there was a really good kind of range of perspectives and viewpoints. Um, it was really good. So each of them gave kind of a little like mini talk on their path into the industry and um, like their ideas for kind of improving um, the participation of women in the industry. Excellent, really good. And uh, if they put it up online, I highly recommend watching it. With the box of tissues nearby? With the box of tissues. Um, yeah, I, so right before doing that, I went and like, 
someone invited me to go get like drinks with some other women who had been in the industry. Mm-hmm. So like I went to a bar, had a larger than expected cocktail, <laughs> like way too early in the day, went straight to this panel, uh, cried. Yeah. And then just left, like, bewildered. Like, where am I? What's happening? <laughs> I don't even know what to do with myself. And just, like, sat down on a bench and just, like, stared at the ground for about 20 minutes. Just, like, I, I, can't, I can't do this. <laughs> no, it was great. <laughs> what day of the week was that? Thursday. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, what was the day that you got stranded without an, uh, a hotel for the night? That was when I arrived. Um, so I got, yeah, to I got into San Francisco at 9 p.m. Uh, uh, I was supposed to meet someone at 10 uh, and then wait until the other people in my party got in and we could go to the hotel. So I get yeah. there at 9 take the bar, get to kind of where I'm supposed to go at about 9.40 and look down at my phone. I have a text from Wolfgang, who was organizing our hotel. Um, Call Cass, who's our programmer. Uh Uh-oh. So I call Cass, who had just gotten into town. Wolfgang, Wolfgang fucked up. We can't stay at the hotel. So... There are four of us who are supposed to stay in this hotel room. And uh, Wolfgang, without reading, booked a double room, which means a double bed. Like it says, double room, one double bed. And uh, (laughs) to be fair, that is confusing. The first time I ever booked a hotel room, I got tricked by the same thing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. If you read, if you're stupid, I guess. One line below, it will tell you (laughs) that there is one double bed in the room. And if you're booking a room for four people, it seems like something you should maybe pay attention to. Uh, Like maybe double check and make sure. Uh What a savings! This is so inexpensive. Like even so, wait, did you guys not have the room then on top of the room? on you top of the room being too small, too like you guys had to end up having to check that. You want to know what's in this room, so yeah. Uh, they like wouldn't let us. <laughs> Are you all right there, Bill? They wouldn't let us all into the room. Mm. They let Cass in, and Cass's friend, and they wouldn't let any more people into the room. So really? I they were actually monitoring how many people were in a room. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. I know you're not supposed to do that, but apparently there was a hotel actually enforcing that. Even if we had tried to go in there, like it was the tiniest room in the entire world, and we couldn't have even slept on the floor. Yeah. Oh, that that sucks. Oh man. Because I was going to say otherwise you could just sleep on the floor if you wanted to. The person who I was supposed to meet had gotten sucked into like a company dinner, and um, so they weren't there, and so I spent about an hour to an hour and a half just sitting on my double bag. At like oh, ten at night on a street corner in San Francisco. This is the most goddamn thing. 
Um, you were kind you know, of like, off is cool. You were like, well, okay, no hotel room. I'm just going to hang out and figure out what's going on. And then after like 90 minutes later, you were getting a little bit more desperate on Twitter. You were like, uh, guys, I think I might actually need some help here. And I was like, yeah, cool. exactly. <laughs> well, like, I try and not get stressed out in situations. Like, yeah. all right. Well, you know, it's okay. just being, flipping out's not going to help anything. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like, I'm going to play cool. I'm going to figure out something. It's, it's all going to be okay. And then, like, as time progressed, it became more and more like, uh, uh... You feel yourself getting squeezed out of, 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 of the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, then, like, Wolfgang even calls, too. He's like, well, I found a place for me to stay, <laughs> but you can't stay there. So do you have somewhere Jeez. to go? Like, no! no. <laughs> I'm sitting in my duffel bag. I got screwed <laughs> over. Yeah. That was, um, that was terrible. So keep in mind, y'all, that the first night we, because Conley and I and Jimmy and Foley drove up to PAX together, and we were gonna crash with uh, Conley and Jimmy at, uh, at at Jimmy's aunt's house. And when we got there, the person who was supposed to let us into this apartment didn't never showed up. And so we feverishly had to get a hotel at the last <laughs> minute during PAX. So the poor Conley is cursed. I ain't and not by any fault of my own, but it's just a, a curse. Like, never travel with me. Or never trust anyone else for any degree of responsibility yeah. for your life. You have to, exactly. Wherever, whatever convention you go to, you have to make sure you rent a car that has, like, a, like a sleeping bed trailer attachment yeah. just in case. Yeah, exactly. And secure that hitch so it doesn't go rolling down. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, um... The show started terribly when I first arrived. Kind of like sadness and fucked upness. What was that? Did that kind of color the rest of the week though, in terms of kind of like weird did. disappointment? Or... Um, yeah, I I think it did. Uh, cause that was a really shitty first night. Yeah. Yeah. The hell of a tone. And then, like I said, Wednesday the next day was really good. And then, like I had too much fun on Wednesday, and so the next two days. We're just kind of like this isn't this isn't as fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it was all yeah, like meetings and yeah. yeah, business and trying to get into yeah. parties and not getting into them. So. Oh, Colin. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what you missed. Um, uh-huh. I had Little Caesars for dinner with some crazy bread with Foley. We were uh-huh. in bed by nine o'clock. That was Tuesday night. Uh-huh. Uh, Wednesday night, I we had Reventes pizza. Ooh. We bed by 9.30. Uh-huh. Uh, Thursday night, I think I actually was social with someone, but I was still in bed by, like, 10 o'clock. Yeah, so you missed a wild time in Portland. Uh, nice. I tried to, you know, burn the candle at both ends for you. Awesome. You know? Great. Oh, and on Friday, I did go to Japantown with Carla, and that was super fun. I'm so glad you went and went on a ridiculous misadventure. Yeah, we went and uh, we went to get tea. It's delicious. Uh, we did purikara. It was awesome. Okay, I'm what an ignorant white person. Tell me what that means. That's the, like, photo booth print club stuff. Ew. Yeah, I saw those pictures. Those were really adorable. Yeah. So are there photos of you guys like together with like little hearts floating over your heads and shit? Yeah. Where's my what wait. Annie, where'd you put my purse? Oh, it's on top of the box uh, behind the sofa. I tried to put it just outside of reach of you to make it as uncomfortable as possible. Just a second. Hey, Annie, when Conley turns around to go look for a purse, uh, let's hide and we're gonna pretend it's GDC and suddenly we're gonna find a cooler place to be. <laughs> <laughs> and then <in> Conley. <laughs> 
Asshole. Well, that's the terrible thing about GDC. It's so much about clicks and kind of who you know and kind of people yeah. socializing that if it's really easy to slip through the cracks. Well, you know, it was interesting because as she was talking about her experience at GDC, it reminded me of experiences I've had at comic conventions. Because yeah. well, like, kind of ex- I've had experiences like that at PAX too. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like I'm 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 on enough of the edge of the inner circle to know there is a circle, but people on the inside sometimes are entirely oblivious to that inner circle yeah. and uh yeah. yeah i found myself getting really really frustrated with the like indie click but whatever that's a whole nother thing <laughs> that's um, something not maybe not to be discussed at length on on recording yeah, so, yeah that's not a specific gdc thing that's just a human social interaction exactly. thing yeah so though there were there but the thing i was most frustrated about at gdc was not that it was the um basically paywall keeping me from going to any of the good talks yeah because really? in order to actually go to any of the talks, you have to pay one to two thousand dollars. Yeah. Wait. What? 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 Wait. Even if you have a ticket to GDC, like you're in, inside the building. Yes. You can get a ticket to go, but you can't yeah. go to the talks. Mhm. So and tickets are like a thousand bucks a piece. Or or more. If you get yeah. an early bird and you do the one that gets you into like the talks, but not the workshops. You can get it for about a thousand dollars. It's not like a social thing. This is a business convention, so yeah. That, yeah. that's. And so it's not really individuals paying the thousand dollars. It's probably it's their company buying a block of tickets for their employees to go learn how to. Right. To, but for someone who's an for someone who's right. an independent 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 developer, it's pretty prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Holy shit! That, okay, I didn't know that. Here's the. Here's our. Pretty good. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's it's adorable. Very, coffee. very cute and very pink. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Well done, my friend. Good stuff. You're telling me that Naughty Dog did not have one for The Last of Us, like a booth like that. <laughs> they could have just retroactively just taken an old photo booth and just kind of like put the put the the left behind stuff in there. Exactly. Called it good. But yeah, no, I was always kind of bummed because I remember uh, talks from GDC used to be available for free in podcast form on the internet, and then right. they were putting that stuff behind a paywall. Well, they weren't making and, enough money, I guess, or something. I don't know. Yeah. And, so like, yeah, I had a good uh, time, but I left the GDC a little grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that sounds kind of like a fucked fucked up week a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think weird you. Week. Yeah, with the, your whole misadventures with um, your hotel stay it was a real, really shitty and unfortunate. The cons are weird. Like if you don't go to con with a in with a tribe, like it's just they can be kind of isolating and. Miserable. And if that tribe doesn't a know what they're doing and b aren't kind of inviting to other people, kind of yeah, it's it's yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's happened to me more than once at, at pretty much every conference I've ever been to. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was just weird. I think, and this is ridiculous. I think I had a better time at E3, which is not even developer focused. It's like a crazy yeah. media thing. And at E3, I wasn't invited to like anything because, yeah. but like, I don't know. It was just weird. And I think it was largely colored by that first night. Oh yeah. And yeah. the fact yeah. that we couldn't actually stay at a hotel. So I had to, like, stay at a hostel for the rest of the time and couldn't shower properly. So I just felt, like, yeah. disgusting and, like, 
There are a few things that are kind of sadder, first world sadness, than if you've saved up a whole bunch of money and invested a lot of time and emotional energy in taking a trip somewhere. And for some reason, you end up being squeezed out of a social situation and you end up by yourself alone on at, at night where you're just as lonely and fucked up as you would be if you just stayed home for free. <laughs> and and at least you wouldn't have that emotional alienation if you're at least right. home with your video games. I could be at home playing or something like that, where it's like, how yeah. am I manipulating myself in the in the sad sack situation? You kind of feel like an extra schnook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. I can empathize. Yeah. But no, overall it was good. I got to go to at least oh, like yeah, one yeah. talk that was really great. I had a good meeting. I had um, I have a really cool opportunity coming up that I'm excited about. Um, that we had some nice meeting stuff about that. So was it was it something that arose specifically because you went to GDC or? It was something that we were fully negotiating at GDC, but that had arisen. Okay, cool. Arisen Glad to see something business-wise happen. Then, okay, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. So, when are you gonna when are you gonna pimp your project, Conley? Which project? Golden Knights. Yeah. Pimp oh yeah. <laughs> Come on, Conley. Come on. <laughs> Let's talk about the whole reason you're at GDC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons we were at GDC was to um, we've been working on a game called Golden Knights. Been working on it for perhaps longer than it should have taken. Had some some personnel mm-hmm. issues, but it's almost done. It's like a month away from completion. My work on it is pretty much done. Um, y'all were that close to? I didn't know y'all were that close to release yet. Yeah, it's it's really close to being done. Woo-hoo. And we did get to kind of have a meeting with our soot people, talk about future. So it's good. GDC was fruitful. I just slept grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, Kyle. I felt, I felt yeah, better. Was, after, I felt better after a shower. Right there, it was fruitful, but I left grumpy. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, fruitful, crankful. The Conley Smith story. Are we going to start a Kickstarter so we could get access to, like, one account for, like, the GDC vault? Man. <laughs> right? I know. I want to see my friend Yanaman's talk. Yanaman had a talk on programming for Gone Home. And I wanted to yeah. I wanted to see the um, subversively queering your game talk. And I wanted I, to see the number one reason to be. I almost went to the subversively queering your work panel because that was one of the, like, very few panels that I could get into. Yeah. Do you want to know the reason I couldn't go? Why? Because of the f- fucked up hotel stuff. No. Because we didn't get to book the hostel until that day. So at the time that I would have been going to that panel, we had to go check into the hostel. Conley, how are you going to know how to subversively queer anything now? I'll have to figure it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> you and me together, Conley. We'll, yeah. we'll get there. We'll figure yeah. out how to uh-huh. gay things up around here. Mm-hmm. You know what? We should try to figure out how to subversively queer ladylike. Yeah, I think so. I think we could really use it. Yeah, I mean, that just is so way too heteronormative. We really, really gotta dial it up. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <sighs> this is the part where we announced that, like, boy, Howdy's probably only got, got, got a very short half life as a result of you guys uh, eventually doing the, the Video Dave's podcast. <laughs> yeah. Annie's not got her heart set on having juggling three podcasts a week. <laughs> what 
Pony Talk, Bill. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you want to eventually turn this into a Conley and Annie podcast where Bill shows up like once every six months and be like, hey, I got a Muppet. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? I, I, I can live with that. If, Bill, if I start, yeah. I'm just going to say, Bill, if I start a Ludo feminist podcast, you will not be invited. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I can't believe you won't invite your retarded, uh, big, white, fat, straight guy <laughs> friend who says all kinds of horrible things. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I came up with that phrase. Like, I came up with that phrase this week, and I think it may be the most obnoxious phrase I've ever heard, I've ever thought of in my life. Ludo feminism. What does that mean? Uh, uh, Ludo is Latin for games. And so when you add, like, uh, ludonistic studies and stuff is, like, the study of games and, like, that kind of crap. I thought like, Ludo was labyrinth for giant dude with horns. Yes, Bill. Yes, that's correct, too. But, no, like, uh, what is it called? Like, Ludo narrative bullshit. Yeah, dissonance. Like yeah, that's what I've always heard that. Okay. There you go, Bill. Yeah, Ludo is Latin for games. So Ludo feminism means feminism is related to games. It, it's great because it's obnoxious. This means that if, 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 if I, 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 I need to be at least show for one episode of Ladylike, then, at least. Yeah, we'll think about it. I gotta it. squeeze my foot in the door somewhere. <laughs> I can't be totally squeezed out of this. Come on. Would you actually read one of our books, Bill, and come on to discuss it? Yeah! Yeah! You gotta read some of our garbage crap that we... I mean, our fine, fine, high literature that we read at the like Book Club. Man, yeah, Conley, don't fun. let me forget. We gotta read uh, The Price of Salt. I think that should be our okay. next book. Next book. Um, on Ladylike. I keep forgetting about it. We got they're literally filming it the movie version right now. We gotta get it on that. Oh yeah, yeah. Get it on that uh, that movie publicity. Exactly. I guess for some reason you couldn't read did you you guys don't it uh, Ladylike is always limited to romance novels, right? You can talk about like Left Behind or anything on there. We we've oh, chat, we have our mini sodes. Yeah. We chatted about it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, but yeah, our subject. Did you even listen to our podcast, Bill? I was gonna say that. Yeah, no, I, I, I followed. Yeah, no. Uh huh. Yeah, we kind of. No, we in our mini shows we talk about pop culture stuff, but in the general oh, culture yeah, stuff, and in sp- specific like queer culture stuff. But yeah, in our, in our, because we wanted to do it, we wanted to do it every other week so we could have a little more of a cadence of things as opposed to monthly. Even every well, other exactly, week. Is... If you have to read between episodes, yeah. Yeah, it's like even every other week, I think we, we're not quite frequent enough to really build a good cadence. But it's hard enough to corral the four of us to sit in a room for two episodes a month, so which is largely my fault. So, hey, uh, do you all have anything else to discuss, or can we take a break and go to the Geek Week interview? We should take a break so we can reset the chat so I can, uh, I'm vaguely synced up with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, friends. We'll be back in just a second to discuss some nerdy garbage. Woo-hoo. Welcome back, Bill. Thank you for that musical interlude. You just edited into this. Uh, fantastic. I'm, I'm sure it was tasteful and appropriate. Uh, now it is time for the Geek Week in Review. Woo! About the week that was. Uh, at GDC this week, Sony's Project Morpheus VR headset was revealed. Sony, what? Uh, not Sony. Conley, what did you think of this? Your first person. I didn't get to experience. see it. Oh, well, I like. I thought, I, thought you, I thought you got one for free. Well, no, we're never mind. Um, so <laughs> I didn't get to try it. I yeah. wanted to try it because I wanted to compare it to the Oculus since I got to try that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, what do you think of the Oculus? I didn't realize you'd actually uh, laid hands on that. Yeah, at uh, PAX 
Yeah, at PAX I tried it. Okay. And um, it was cool, but the particular demo they put me on made me motion sick. Oh. I was gonna say you're you're you have uh, vertigo issues with that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, don't you? And they left on motion blur. Oh. So and it's really not necessary when you're physically. Yeah, that seems a little weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they like left on the motion blur setting for the game that I was doing, and any time I would use, like if I was just looking around, mm-hmm. it was great. But when I would use the analog sticks to actually like turn from side to side, and the motion blur would come on, mm-hmm. it made me want to barf. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Sorry to hear that. Um, so it was really cool, but don't. Turn on motion blur. Using <laughs> the Oculus. Well, with the Morpheus stuff, I assume that they probably only had one or two headsets for that, and with yeah, there was a line. I'm and sure I that was impossible. Hardly spent any time in the expo hall. Yeah. I spent a lot of time kind of out and about. So, uh, yeah, I didn't get to try it. I'm hoping to try it soon. Well, also, I think they were charging five hundred dollars a pop for five minutes with with the the Morpheus. <laughs> Oh, all, all proceeds going to the GDC vault. Of yeah, of course. course. Of yeah. Course. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, like, I was there with a couple other people who've been working on this game stuff with, and so we were all kind of, like, conspiring, like, oh, maybe we could try and make a game for it. But, yeah. you know, I didn't get to try it. I don't know how to compare it to the Oculus. Conley. I'm sure it's great. Next year, you have to do some on-the-scene on reporting for the Boy Hattie podcast. I will. I'll get a little microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, send me there with, like, a little camera. We need and, all, uh, all of the copious resources the Boy Hattie oh, in podcast fact, will be available. I'll actually, I'll just use my, my phone. And I'll use Google Hangouts on my phone. There you yeah. go. I'll have like a prop microphone because well, we it's need... really important for news reporting. We need <laughs> one other person to follow you around with it with a dollar bill and snapping it so it sounds like you're in a chopper. So you're like your eye <laughs> yeah. in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Golly <laughs> show reporting live over the uh, GDC uh, Expo uh, yeah. okay. floor. I legitimately, if I get to go to E3 this year again, yeah. if I go to GDC next year, I'll do some on the scenes reporting. Woo! Yeah. Let's be yeah. honest. The Boy Howdy Nation has certain expectations. Yeah. Well, now that what's his, now now that Vicentero's part of Polygon, there's you can fill his shoes in terms of the internet web reporting, like a t- completely objective, non-politicized. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, speaking of games reporting, I came to the realization last night of why my trip was so weird. Yeah. Oh, what was that? That I did not see Jeff Gerstmann within five minutes of entering the show. <laughs> now, is that usually is 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 that's so it's like a Bigfoot sighting essentially. Yeah. yeah. Every time I've gone to PAX. Mm-hmm. And when I went to E3. Yeah. I have seen Jeff Gerstmann within five to ten minutes of entering the show. Okay. On the first that's day. And that'll be like the only time I see him. It's just this, uh, like, ceremonial viewing. Right. That means right. that the show can truly begin. Right. You have to shout yeah, right. past him in his big, white, puffy sneakers and, like, well, at least now I know I'm, I'm, I'm home again. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I did not see him at all at GDC. You know, that was which, it. That was which the means that GDC never actually happened. Yeah. It never truly begun. It was and a terrible thing a redo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this CDC was just a dream. Have you ever, have you actually met Je- uh, uh, Jeff Gersman? You just see him. That's it. I 
accidentally was on Giant Bomb once. <laughs> How did that happen? Were you delivering a pizza and you just didn't leave? No. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah? You can still find it <laughs> oh on the God. website. Yeah. Somewhere. In the archives. What did you do? At PAX in 2009. Yeah. I'm going to say. Uh, we had just gotten there. First day. Just entered. And sure enough, within five minutes of entering, this was before we really knew. This was the first time. This was the first PAX that we went to and the first time we saw Jeff Gersman. And we didn't really know exactly who he was at the time. Uh-huh. But he was doing a walking around PAX interview with Tim Schaefer. Okay. And we do we didn't know who Tim is. So, um, Oh, I remember you showing me this now. now yeah, I think it's about really it. bad. <laughs> <laughs> we did not realize that they were doing a video interview. And Tim actually pulled me aside because I was wearing a Psychonaut shirt. And so he's like, oh, look, she's wearing our shirt. And, uh, like, pulled me onto the camera. And I did not realize there was a camera until I had already begun talking to them. <laughs> and I was like... Hey Tim, I made you I made you cookies once. <laughs> like, I need oh, to yeah. go back and see if I can find this footage online. Like, oh yeah, I ate them. And Jimmy, bless his heart, was sitting there trying to place who Jeff Gersman is because yeah. Jimmy is really good at faces. Yeah. Um and but we didn't know about Giant Bomb at all then. Yeah. Um he's just good at Faces. So he's like, his little brain was trying to figure out who this person was that he recognized. This guy looks like a shaved woodchuck. What do I know this guy? From? <laughs> yeah. And so finally, at the end of this already awkward encounter, right? Jimmy turns to Jeff Gerson and goes, Oh, yeah, you're that guy who got fired for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then Joe's just like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, we just, Jimmy immediately just like, oh, shit. And I'm sure that's not the first or last time that's happened to Jeff Gersman, though. Yeah. This was on air during an interview. And yeah. he, they turn and continue on. And we looked once that video got put on the website, and every, like, comment is like, who was that fucking asshole who was, like, <laughs> saying that Jeff Gerson? Oh, Jeff Shaker, we made you cookies. Oh, you're the guy who got fired from being honest. Well, what we're going to go now. Conley, yeah. I'm going to get you and Jimmy shirts that just say, I was that asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's so, great. So, um, yeah. Bye. Oh, so, uh, off topic, but Bill making your joke about, uh, the dollar bill and the helicopter made me think of one other thing I did do this week. Yeah. Um, uh, so I got a phone and, uh, it's an Android. I've never had an Android before. And at some point I was hooking it up to um, my Humble Bundle store because at some point I did a Humble Indie Bundle that was doing Android games because it would also give me the PC download for it. And so I'm like, oh, I actually have an Android now. I can download these games. And one of them was Little Inferno, um, which was the folks who did World of Goo. And yeah, I had that's seen a fun little game. I had seen trailers of it for uh, on like the Wii U. I remember because Bill and I were looking at games that were on the Wii U, 
And uh, it's a it's an interesting game, I have to say. That's one of those games where uh, it's a type of gameplay, and then it turns into a very different sort of game unexpectedly. And I don't want to talk about it too much for spoilers, but it's it was strange. I don't know if it was successful because it was very it had an overarching message, and I don't think they did a great job of communicating it uh, with any sort of subtlety. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's like if you can find it, it, it's worth playing. I think it's only like three hours long. But I it's think it's just fun just for burning stuff. Oh yeah, Bill, did you not get to the end of the game? No, I just like I just got distracted by the burning stuff, and I wasn't <laughs> trying to like create any forward moving progress through. The yeah, game. I was gonna say yeah, it's it's actually really cute because the entire premise of the game is that you have this little inferno entertainment system, which is a fireplace that you can set things on fire with, and so when you're playing it on touch controls, yeah, you just press your little button to the screen, and you set things on fire, and uh, it does actually have a narrative, and then at the end of the game, it turns into a different sort of game altogether. So okay, well yeah. I know there's there, there it's 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 I mean it's politicized a little with the fact that like. You, like you're living in this culture that's actually brought about this 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 ice age. Everyone's freezing to death because of global warming. And well, and you're also still burning stuff. And there's an obvious message that you're just buying stuff in order to burn that stuff. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, it's, and it's... you're also getting weird me- uh, messages from a friend that you're sending mail back and forth, and they're kind of even more oblivious to everything that's going on than you are. And so, but I'm just saying that it does it does ultimately have a plot and it does totally change the gameplay in an unexpected way later on in the game that I thought was really interesting. There, I, I I'm always intrigued by games where they abruptly turn into a different sort of game. It's yeah. Not, I can't think of many times when it's been successful, but I think in Little Inferno they managed to pull it off. I'm trying to give myself Jeff Gersman hair. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, now that uh, I changed the subject, let's go back to GDC news. Yeah, Morpheus. So, yeah, no one played it. Who knows? It'll be <laughs> interesting to see if it ever actually comes out. Yeah, I'm with Conley, though. I, I have a Vertigo problem, so I could never play. I, I'm not even interested in putting on a headset of your headset. I just want to know if this or Oculus Rift, how well that's going to work with people with prescription glasses. Uh, I can tell you it's not comfortable. Yeah. Well, somebody on Twitter had said that Oculus Rift comes with a prescription like knob like so i guess supposedly it's supposed to make up for the fact that like you you're supposed to be wearing glasses by the fact that you're supposed to take your glasses off and then you can change how it focuses to make up for the you know whatever prescription you need well, i did not get to do that i had to sit yeah, and my I glasses because I, I i googled about that and aside from this one person no one's ever said anything about having to take your glasses oh, then that's off. probably a lie yeah um <laughs> And Jimmy only has one eye, so he's not going to get the full... Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. is he blind in one eye, or does he have, like, a glass eye? He has a glass eye. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. How did he get, end up with one eye? He was born with... Like, <laughs> Sword fight. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Rose came and pecked out one of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he made me really mad, and it's just, I told him I would pluck out his eyeball if he didn't so shut up about... You're not going to buy Jimmy a 3DS for Christmas, then, is what you're saying. Yeah. The first time my little sister asked what happened, he just got quiet and said, well, uh, just say I really don't like cats anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know a couple people with uh, who, who only have sight in one eye, and it's usually just kind of as a result of like some degenerative thing or anything like that. I don't think I've met anyone who actually just flat out just had a glass eye for any kind of particular reason. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, that that that, that that's, that's unfortunate. Okay. He's also really mad about the whole trend towards 3D movies. Well, that seems to be dying at least, so yeah, it doesn't have to worry about that so much. But yeah. Yeah. All right, so GDC news continues. 
Um, uh, who is this person who left Konami? I don't even know yeah. who this person is. Uh, Igarashi. He's the guy who, um, he did not create Castlevania, but he was one of the head guys in charge of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, oh. which was the big PlayStation game that after, the Castlevania was really big on the 8-bit Nintendo, uh, but then afterwards it kind of like died and became a little more obscure but then symphony night uh brought it back and turned uh castlevania from a simple side-scrolling action game to this big metroidvania big sprawling 2d game uh mm -hmm. exploring this huge world and uh, he was in charge of all the castlevania games since the symphony of night for all like uh all, like for the uh, ds and and all the portable uh 2d castlevanias and yeah, i was about to say was he responsible for lords of shadow or anything no like that? he yeah that that was the first castlevania game to come out of konami that did not involve that guy and i'm not quite sure what happened they essentially konami essentially stopped making those two-dimensional castlevania games and then they handed off Castlevania off to these Gil Gilmar del Toro wannabe motherfuckers. And so it kind of left with this guy without a job. And so he left um, Konami. And uh, it's just a big deal because retro gaming nerds really loved this guy because he made so many good Castlevania games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar situation to uh, – it's, 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 it's just like the guy who created Mega Man who left uh, Capcom. Yeah. And uh, Hiroshi came out and he specifically said he was inspired by the fact that uh, Inafune left Capcom. Really? I didn't hear that. Yeah, and uh, not so everyone was expecting Igarashi to announce a Kickstarter or something like that. He has not done that yet. It sounds like he may do something like that in the future, but huh. yeah, this is just another trend towards uh, big big developers leaving their big studio and uh, it just and, and tr just trying to get some of that indie cash and trying to start up their own smaller indie projects outside of the, stu the studio and the, and the um, projects that they're known for. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Maybe he'll team up with Amy Hennig. Yeah, there we go. I'm sure. And they'll do a side-scrolling uh, Uncharted. Oh man, that would actually be great. Like, like Castlevania-sized world of like opening up stuff, but it's side-scrolling, but it still like has witty writing and characters and stuff. Okay, that that could actually be kind of cool. But yeah, so yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah Kathleen. Yeah. No, it can still be fully voiced. Mm-hmm. No. Oh. All right, so Yu Suzuki's Shenmue Postmortem, which uh, stipulated that the game started out as a traditional RPG. Yeah, have either of you guys ever played Shenmue? Yes. Uh, yeah. I played yeah. both one and two, my friend. Um, this is uh, this seemed to be a highlight in terms of like the gaming postmortems for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, really, just the guy who, who invented Shenmue, just talking about its gaming roots. I didn't know. That he specifically, uh, Shenmue started off as him just, he really loved 8-bit uh, and 16-bit role-playing games. And he thought it was weird that you could go up to people and uh, as you can talk to people, you could still walk into walls and stuff. So he just really, <laughs> it sounded like Shenmue really started off as he wanted to do a really realistic third-person conversation game. He, he did it. Hung up, not about so much about the adventuring in a role-playing game, but the idea of going to a town and talking to people. That's certainly what he did. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> what Shenmue is nine-tenths of. But when it came to the action stuff, he was like, well, instead of, like, wizards and spells and stuff, like, he, he had done the virtual fighter game, so he was like, we'll just put Kung Fu in that part. Yeah. But, yeah, it, that, that was just kind of interesting to see. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, Shenmue still uh, strikes me as interesting because it was one of the games that... I don't know if indirectly inspired stuff like Mass Effect, but so many games are now are about like uh, like optional conversation stuff that Shenmue mm -hmm. kind of seemed to be 
the uh, help bridge the gap between old 16-bit games and kind of conversational stuff in there where it was all very linear and very flat and con- and Shenmue kind of like added some optional stuff and branching conversation paths and sure yeah. and stuff that later got fleshed out and stuff like Mass Effect but well I'd I say know, that those yeah. that was always present in um uh PC RPGs they see just... that's yeah it seemed with me not playing PC RPGs I was never really exposed to that Shenmue but it definitely it bridged yeah. that gap to console games, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Shenmue. That was a really cool little... It was only an hour long. It wasn't, like, super ass-blastingly interesting. But it was it was interesting to hear, uh, see him talk about, like, how the whole game was inspired also by a trip he took to China. And, and so much of Shenmue if it had not been canceled after the first game. Or I guess, no, I guess there was a second Shenmue game that no one played. There's going to be a lot more stuff about China. Oh, you were eventually in the Shenmue games. He was going to create... A perfect three-dimensional recreation of the a walled city of Kowloon. Have you oh, guys yeah. ever seen that slum? <laughs> yeah. That like yeah, he was gonna recreate that, that game, and one of the games amazing. was gonna take place in that. Like you would be able to explore every room. Oh, that would have been so good. Uh, it would have been. I don't see that would have been technologically impossible, but I love yeah. that he, at one time had the ambition to do that. I'm kind of. That's a that. hell of a goal to have. Yeah. yeah. I just like the idea of exploring again, like stuff like Uncharted and Assassin's Creed. I like the idea of games where they're recreating uh real world spaces for you to explore and that would have been really cool in Shenmue. Yeah. Yeah. Um especially cuz that I don't think that I think they knocked down that walled city like 20 years ago so it doesn't even yeah. exist but if they had been able to recreate it for a video game that would be really cool. That's fantastic. Oh man. And uh, you guys are being super cute on the podcast on on the video stream. Stalking uh, behind uh Conley. Yeah. Oh, Bailey, stop chewing on that. She loves tape. Hey. <laughs> Bailey, she can't hear me. I just realized. No. <laughs> um, Animal Crossing New Leafs director credited having so many women on the game staff for the popularity of the game with all kinds of people. Yeah, nice to see a Japanese developer come out and say, "Hey, we had ladies. Yeah, ladies made this game good." Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, especially for a Japanese developer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and especially because <laughs> the, the, the lead pro- lead uh, uh, developer on that project was a lady, and well, she was someone. Yeah, she was uh, someone who was an assistant on previous games, and I guess uh, yeah, this the uh, New Leaf was her first uh, project after being promoted to project lead. Hmm. And uh, I've seen interviews and stuff with her. She seems super, super goddamn cool. I forget what her name is, but she seems super sweet and super fun. And yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm glad to see her come out and actually have a whole thing just about talking about how uh, yeah, ladies helped make that game awesome. That's pretty rad. So. USC's Game Innovation Lab is making a game where you have to replicate Thoreau's attempt to survive for two years, or eight seasons, at Walden Pond. I just love the idea that someone's making a video game based off of Walden. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I guess this was news before, like, uh, when I Googled this, I guess the the fact that they got, like, a $40,000 grant to make this game, like, a year ago was, was, was news. But this is the first time I've actually heard about this project, which... That's hilarious. Yeah, I've not heard about that either. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's I think it's... It's a first-person game. You're out in the middle of the Massachusetts woods, and yeah, you're really all by yourself. You've got a cabin, and you have to survive for two years. I don't know if it's like a Minecraft thing where you have to go out and like punch fish, <laughs> and maybe a fish stick will pop out. And, then say, to... and therefore realizing Thoreau's vision. That's fantastic. Well, you can easily, I mean, if you really wanted to do this game, you could really just take Minecraft, mod it, and it could be this game. It would look very blocky and stuff, but like that's another game that's all about survival. I mean, there's no time or anything like that, but... 
Um, I do like the idea of a survival game out in the woods where you're trying to survive for two years and like survive throughout the different seasons and prepare yourself for the different challenges of each season. Yeah. Um, especially... That sounds like it could be interesting. It, it depends on how it's done. Yeah, exactly. And also just the fact that someone's making a game based off of like uh, like a novel like Walden, which is, is a just... book. That makes me think of the Pride and Prejudice MMO. Yeah. <laughs> well, did did you guys ever play the um someone took the Atari 2600 game Kaboom and modded it so it's a uh, Catcher in the Rye? Yeah. Are you joking? No. No, I, that that should be a thing. If you're going to go back and uh make mods of old games to so they reflect uh, some kind of book that, that that should be a thing. That's beautiful. Uh Assassin's Creed Unity. I haven't heard anything about this. What is Assassin's Creed Unity? Yeah, the only thing I've heard is the name. Uh, So, it's funny, because this is the second Assassin's Creed game whose existence got leaked by someone finding out about it on an airplane. (laughs) So, I guess uh, the existence of Assassin's Creed Black Flag was leaked a year ago when some some random guy was sitting next to someone else on an airplane, and the other guy was like... Oh, he was like typing. He was writing, working on some kind of presentation about Assassin's yeah. Creed Black Flag, and this guy with the video gap saying, "I sat next to this guy who was telling me about." Oh yeah, I'm working on a game called Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah, I remember. And that, that forced Ubisoft to actually unveil that game early. So the same thing happened with Assassin's Creed Unity. You'd think uh, they'd be more careful about just blabbing <laughs> random assholes on a plane who are going to a video game conference. Exactly. Now that it's happened two years in a row. They're going to have to put out a memo saying, guys, if you're working on a game, don't just, like, run around with the title screen on your laptop on a computer, on an airplane. Come on. At least someone ask you about the game, say, I don't know what you're talking about, and close your computer. Don't turn around and go like, oh, yeah, look, it's going to be on French Revolution. Is it going to be cool? Hope you buy it. It's about the French Revolution. Yeah, they're really breaking new ground with tricorn hats <laughs> and uh, hay bales and horses. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's going to take place in Paris. Um, they put out... Um, yeah, no, Ubisoft, uh, in regards to this leak, Ubisoft seemed to put out a kind of hastily assembled just uh, trailer this week with no no story stuff. It doesn't show exactly who the protagonist is, is going to be other, other than it looks like a dude again, hmm. uh, which is kind of a bummer because, Christ, how many guys, how many times are you going to play as dudes in the 17th century in the shit or in the, I guess. See, that's the thing. It's like you have all of history to play with. Let's be in the 16th to 1700s for again. Um, I, I did. It really is. They, they really do have a hard time trying to come up with ideas on how to make Assassin's Creed games that don't involve hay bales, huh? I mean, I think their excuse is that well, we need to have uh, times of density of population, but there have been density of population in all sorts of times. Like, you yeah. have like at least some other countries that yeah. are less European. I mean, I guess you can argue that if you're iterating yearly, like it's easier to build off of existing things than to make from whole cloth. And yeah, at least well, that assuming... way they can. Yeah, I'm assuming this is coming from the Assassin's Creed 3 team, because I know Black Flag was diff- from a different team than the Assassin's Creed 3 team, so it makes sense if they're skipping, you know, hopscotching every year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's, this is another excuse for them to recycle, again, like a tricorn hats and all that kind of stuff. And then only, uh, This would only take place less than 10 years, well, I guess 20 years after Assassin's Creed 3, but man, I don't know. They could totally do all sorts of cameos with the with the stuff between the French and the American Revolution. Well, exactly. Ben Franklin shows up to try to, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's... That will be cool ben, to climb Notre Dame. Did you get to Ben Franklin in Assassin's Creed 3? Or was it... 
No, I'm talking to you, Bill. Or either of you. Did you No, I never got that far. Yeah, Conley, what do you think about Assassin's Creed? I don't like Assassin's Creed. And it's because... No, no, no. I liked... um, I thought Black Flag was cool. And the reason is... I don't give a fuck about any of the stuff with Desmond. I don't care. If it was literally just a series of games about different assassins throughout history like connected only through the fact that it is about different assassins in this assassin group throughout history mm-hmm. without any of this like desmond bullshit or stuff trying to whatever like that makes me not want to play them well clearly they agreed with you because they killed desmond yeah thank god yeah, and still, um yeah. and it was better for it it is kind of disappointing to see that they showed a little bit of the graphic overlay of uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. And it is like the Upstergo holographic, so it doesn't seem like they're ditching that anytime they're soon. They're never gonna ditch that, you guys. Just, why not? No one. That's always everyone's least interesting. No one likes that shit. I find it, and I really liked it in the first game, but they did it with a very light hand in the first game. Yeah, and then I they liked decided the possibility to... of it. And I liked it a lot, actually, in Black Flag. All the I like the way they did it in Black stuff. Flag, too. It yeah. was kind of a, a commentary on game development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so I saw, like, the, the, well, the control thing. They seem to be changing controls now because now there's a parkour up button and now a parkour down button. So it seems like they're changing the control, so instead of just holding in the trigger and, like, shoving the, the, the character towards a wall and he just kind of climbs it automatically, they're going to change the control somehow. Huh. Yeah, well, it makes sense, like, when you're jumping a fence, like, you could go over the fence or under the fence or something. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Get that. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is suing Texas after the Machete films were retroactively taxed. Wait, what does that mean? He's suing Texas after Machete Films were retroactively tax rebates for filming within the state. Oh, I forgot to finish that sentence. (laughs) They denied tax Yeah, they were denied tax rebates for filming in Texas, yeah. Supposedly because folks in the state government are worried that giving money to Rodriguez would make the governor look soft on illegal immigration. Which is kind of fucked up. I still need to see those movies. The trailers are so great. We watched the first one. It was very <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, it was, it was super ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed the first one because it was incredibly stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked it. I can see Annie not liking it. Oh, I, I, I can't remember much other than uh, wishing there was more Michelle Rodriguez in it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the only reason why I want to see the second one. That's how I felt about um, I was forced to watch Fast and the Furious 6. And I, the only way they made me watch it was by saying, there's a lot of Michelle Rodriguez in this movie. Like, okay. And after it finished, I was like, okay. But it could have had more Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> We're simple women with simple needs. And those <laughs> needs involve a lot of Michelle Rodriguez in tank tops being sweaty and punching people. Yeah. So I take it this means you didn't care much for Fast and Furious 6. Uh... How much can you really care about? Let's 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 guys, let's not even let's not it even. Had the rock. Uh, the Peanuts trailer was released this week, so I, like most people, on hearing that there was even going to be a CGI Peanuts movie, uh, my soul kind of crumpled up and and turned into ash. <laughs> but I actually really liked the trailer. Yeah, they did a good job with it. I thought That's you weird. know. It's weird that it's taking place during the French Revolution. 
The no, controls like, look all fucked up. I liked that they they um kind of kept a little bit herky jerky, like they didn't exactly. do a really high frame rate, so it kind of looked like the sh- the cartoons. They didn't do all those key frame. They didn't do the in betweens and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I liked that they were trying to replicate replicate Schultz's look in that kind of 3D rendering. Yeah, you it know? looks good. It looks kind of cute. Yeah. If you look at the stills, if you look at Charlie Brown's shoes, his uh-huh. shoes are like little sloppy little little loaves of bread. <laughs> they really do look like the 3D, like the, the three-dimensional representation of what Charles Schultz was drawing. It's, yeah. it's very, and Snoopy's got soft white fur. If you if you look at the high-res images, you see that he's not just like computer-generated, sh- like like sheeny plastic. Yeah, he's actually got little bits of fur. Well, I guess even the the the, the trailer, the, the teaser trailer they show, that kind of plays into the fact is it pulls away from a super close up of Charlie Brown's hair, and by hair I mean the three strands of hair he's got sticking out yeah. his forehead for that curly cue. But you yeah. actually see it's, it's kind of grotesque because you get to see like the individual strands of hair. But yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. And uh, Paul Feig is a producer on it. Yeah, so it can't be too bad. I guess it's being written by Charlie or uh, Charles Schultz's grandson and one of his his friends. Oh, so we'll see. We'll see. Yes, uh, withholding judgment for now. No, uh, uh, people have. Uh, there's been rumors that Tom Hardy's playing Joe Cool. <laughs> uh, um, no, I would actually believe Tom Hardy playing Spike. Yeah, which would be awesome. <laughs> well, by the way, like he's played Mad 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 Max. Mad Max is kind of Spike. I really like the idea of a Peanuts movie that looks like the trailer. It's pretty traditional, pretty traditional. And then Snoopy gets a letter from Spike, and it just cuts to Tom Hardy, like live action in a desert, sitting by a cactus. Uh-huh. <laughs> when he talks, this is a. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so sleeping on top of a cactus like 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 yeah. <laughs> And he's got the five o'clock shadow and the hat. Yeah, he's yeah, all rough and tumble, but he just kind of moves herky jerky a little bit and kind yeah. of like yeah. Oh, so good. I'm sad. Oh time. god, I love peanuts. <laughs> peanuts. Yeah. Too. Andy, um, you should be voice like. Uh, oh, Andy, how are you not a voice actress for that movie? Who, what character you would you want me to say? And if you I say mean, Peppermint Chatterjee, you, you, you'd, you'd make a great Peppermint Patty. I knew it. Lucy. What did I just say? Actually, I would love to be Lucy. I identify maybe too much with Lucy. <laughs> I'm sure any of y'all who've ever experienced my birthday are shocked that I identify at all with Lucy. But... And you do a pretty remarkable job of controlling your inner Lucy around your birthday. <laughs> I always wanted to be Lucy for Halloween. I thought yeah. that would be great because I pretty much got the hair. And just need to get the dress and the Mary Janes. Actually, and so Annie, you you and Foley would make a pretty pretty mean uh, Peppermint Patty and Marcy. <laughs> Brown hair girls with glasses don't like being called Marcy. I'm just gonna. I know, I know Marcy's not the most interesting character, but like it would be very cute though. Like people would spot that to say it would be like, oh, I see. Yes. I've been called Marcy one too many times in my life to react any way, but... Uh, uh, I never thought about that being a thing. Marcy and Velma. Velma I've reclaimed. Yeah. Velma I've come to terms with. Marcy will always hurt. Well, it doesn't hurt that Velma's kind of become like a nerd geek girl sex symbol now, too, which is <laughs> kind of crazy, but... Yeah, yeah. that's going to happen. Uh, Disney announced another Cars movie, but more importantly, they also announced another Incredibles movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with I'm... no Brian Bird. 
No, Bradford. Yes, yes, with Bradford. They said he's working on the story right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, they not... just said that he's writing it, but they haven't said if he's directing, directing it. it. Yeah, they haven't announced yet, so I'm I'm still hoping that he's going to direct it, but he's at the very least, like, writing it. Hmm. You know what the weird thing about this uh, Incredible sequel is? It takes place in the uh, Russian Revolution, or French Revolution. <laughs> Bill, you almost got that joke. God, I was damn, so proud of you. Well, You're no, so it's, close. It's, it's actually the, the origin story of Bon Voyage. Annie, what are you doing down there? I have this little scalpel, uh-huh. and I'm cutting up paper uh-huh. and cleaning up things on my desk. You've been really <laughs> intently using that scalpel for like a drinking. Yeah, gotta gotta pay attention to this stuff. It's sharp. Um, yeah, no, I really love The Incredibles, and I'm tentatively excited about Incredibles too. But then again, uh, Monsters Inc. was one of my favorite. Pixar movies, and I couldn't care less about Monsters University. So. See, there are some things that just don't need a sequel, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. And I think you could argue that Incredibles, the sort of story that Incredibles is, you could tell incre- like other Incredibles stories, but... Mm-hmm. That, I'm, that's why I'm kind of worried about it, because Incredibles is is kind of a thing of itself so much that you, there is room to tell other stories, but it doesn't need a sequel. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Because um, I'm not quite sure. Because I mean, the whole thrust of The Incredibles was about this family that's, yeah, it, 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 the whole thrust of that story was kind of told in that movie. Like yeah. it didn't really leave room to like. There, there's no questions about the that world that you're left dying to explore in a sequel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it you... feels like if. Uh... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the like conflict that's introduced is because what made the incredible so great was that it wasn't like necessarily a superhero story. It was yeah. about like a family. Right. And so. a sequel would seem to suggest that there would have to be another supervillain that shows up like all, all, all like the, 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 the threat to the family is, is a completely external. Whereas before right. it was, which is what like, would worry me is you know. to have just a totally like, Oh no, this villain's attacking. And that's the, you know, you know yeah. what? Now that Disney owns Marvel, they could make Incredibles part of canon, and like Magneto attacks them. It could be terrible, you guys. I'm yeah. just saying, whatever we come up with, it could be worse. You're I right. kind of wonder if Incredibles 2, um, I wonder if the only reason it's getting made now because maybe Brad Bird... I wonder if Incredibles 2 is what Brad Bird had to promise to make if he was allowed to make something like Tomorrowland. Yeah, I which is such it. a weird idea. Which no one even really knows what that project is yet. But all I, mean, I want is for Brad Bird to be directing the Star Wars movies instead of J.J. Abrams. Yeah, and that's that's, that's the one thing is that there they should you you'd think pretty goddamn soon they would be announcing who's going to be directing the other two movies in the new sequel trilogy. But I wonder if it's not just going to turn into J.J. Abrams is just going to do the whole shebang. Yeah, because Brad Bird would Whatever. make. I'll I'll hold on. To those feelings. Yeah, so don't stop believing. Podcast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, did you see Monsters uh, University? Like, no, because I don't care. Because that's it, it is not even all no what I care about about Monsters Inc. Yeah, Monsters Inc. was one of my favorite Pixar movies, and Monsters University is not terrible. It just it's just really redundant though, and it has nothing to do with exactly. It's, it's does not enhance your your appreciation for the original movie. No, it is completely not what I care about in Monsters Inc. I will say this, y'all: we're not the audience for Monsters University. Yeah. <sighs> who is it? Is it for little kids who are really yeah. desperate to go to college? 
Little kids love monster stories, dude. I'm just but little about college. Yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> Do toddlers need a remake of Animal House? <laughs> Bill, where's their Animal House? I'm just saying, Pixar was brave enough to make the Animal House for the under ten. Set. Oh, you know what? I wonder. I wonder if, uh, in order to be allowed to make Incredibles two, Brad Bird also has to write direct Cars three. <laughs> oh God. That's his pound of flesh. He's got to. He, they're like, we got to find someone who can redeem this car shit. What, what do we go. do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what they're interested in. They're interested in bringing us, putting our butts in the seat of cars. They they talked to Kurt Vonnegut. He did a script pass. He couldn't <laughs> there do anything with it. <laughs> All right. In other news, This American Life is jumping ship from Public Radio International. Oh my God. Really? So explain this to me. What exactly happened? No one knows. So Public Radio International, which seems to be, you think, is is, is part of NPR, but I guess not. Oh. Um, yeah, no, just uh, This American Life was uh, uh, PRI's biggest show, and for some reason, uh, American This American Life, they're going to stop uh, distributing episodes through that uh, public radio network, and no one knows what they're going to do. I don't know if they're just going to go iTunes only or like become a podcast oh. or maybe go – I don't know. what. That just seems kind of interesting. This this Weird. huge like like pretty much the, the the biggest radio show in the world right now is yeah. is jumping ship from people distributing us. So I don't know what that means. So. Huh. That that's just more just interesting news than who knows what it actually means. But I thought it was podcast worthy <laughs> since we do a podcast and this American right. Life kind of opened the door to the whole podcast format a little bit in terms of radio shows, people blabbing blabbing about their personal lives. And, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, that yeah. was the that was the one cameo. So uh, the Veronica Mars movie had a lot of cameos. The one that I did not expect was Ira Glass. You see Ira Glass like ten minutes into the Veronica Mars. Yeah, movie. and filmed in the This American Life studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With their now obsolete Public Radio International posters. Oh, this is true. Uh-huh. Conley, did you care about Veronica Mars? I've never seen Veronica Mars. That's fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. When they get when Kristen Bell um, meets the robot from the future that's come back to stop the mm-hmm. um, artificial intelligence threat, it's mm-hmm. pretty intense. Is this you're making a Mass Effect joke? <laughs> I don't even know. I think I was going for Terminator. I think I was going for Terminator, and I just kind of biffed it. Will Kristen Bell uh, make a good time show? I'll watch it. I'll watch Veronica Mars. It's in the queue for Clone Wars, Hannibal. Uh, Kristen Bell would make a good Tali Zora, I think, actually. But uh, Conley will probably disagree with me on that. But she'd not make a good Fem Shep. Fem Shep needs to be someone who can give a punch and receive a punch. Right. There was someone, oh man, someone on, on the internet this week suggested, God, who was it? it? It seemed like a perfect suggestion who to play Fem Shep. Was it, it wasn't Jennifer Lawrence. No. Um, I, I think Jennifer Lawrence wouldn't be a bad Fem Shep. Not, I agree. I think in 10 years, Jennifer Lawrence may be a good film show. Yeah, okay. Christina Hendricks? No, Bill. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? I just like to see her fit in the suit. Uh, yeah, I bet you would. Just have Jennifer Hale play film show. Boom, problem solved. <laughs> you know, Jennifer Hale is an interesting looking lady. It's funny because I know her voice, but I like whenever I see a picture of her, it just it seems like it's like. Why would you put a, a, a God doesn't need a body? Why does that even exist? <laughs> Why um, should I put head in a jar? Yeah, well, that's kind of like what people have suggested. The guy does the voice for uh, Nathan or uh, Nolan North should do if there's ever an Uncharted movie, he should play Nathan Drake. The guy who does the voice of Nolan North. I really like that Freudian slip. <laughs> <though. laughs> 
really like it. I know, it's, it's, yeah. But yeah, uh, uh, Nolan North is 10 years too old to, to play Nathan Trey. Yeah, so for that matter, so is Nathan Fillion. I know, I'm not pushing for Nathan Fillion either. No, I'm just saying I that think loud. Andy Samberg and the cast of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> Nick Offerman would make a fantastic Sully, is oh, all I'm saying. Dear, dear Lord. All right, everybody, that was the Boy Hattie Podcast. Talk about a lot of garbage. Join us next week for more garbage. Uh, as always, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on the Twitter. BoyHattiePodcast.com is our website. Howdy at BoyHattiePodcast.com is a means by which you can email us. You can also use the contact form on our website. Thank you so much, Conley Smith, for joining us. Conley can be found, of course, on the Ladylike Podcast and on ConleyDraws.tumblr.com. Thank you. And Twitter at ConleyDraws. Uh, sorry for being so, like, tired and grumpy this time. Uh <laughs> Hey, Conley, you barely slept and you had an emotionally tumultuous couple of days. Come be on the Boy Hattie podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly surprised that you, you, you subjected yourself to this after this week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I barely really show up I, this. I had a good week. I'm just tired, and that's making me grumpy about not being able to go to the panels. Darling, we're going to turn this off, and we're going to give you some more donuts until yes. all the pain goes away. <laughs> and I can't turn this off yet. We need to have uh, Boy Hattie after dark. That's I right. can eat the donuts at that time. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing exactly. stopping that, that, That's when we kick off our shoes and have the real talk about life. That's right. Yeah. All right, friends, we'll be t- back next week to talk about whatever heck happens next week. Bye. Oh, you've lost 900 baseball games, and we kids all love to call you names, and you never learned to fly a kite, and your family so you cannot ride, and at lunch you sit alone and mope, you're a wishy-washy kind of dope. Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, you don't have one hope. Yes, I do, yes, I do. That little girl who's new smiled at me, smiled at me at lunch today. And tonight I will go home and pray that tomorrow she might come and say, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, I'm glad to know you. Oh, that new girl's looking over here. Oh, good grief, she's calling over here. Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, just what you doing? Oh, nothing, no nothing. You want to do something? Why don't we, why don't we fly my new kite? I'd be very proud to fly your kite. I will run with all my very might. Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, please do hold on tight. Oh, he's got the kite up in the air. Oh, it's hit a tree, it's gonna tear. Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, I think you've wrecked it. I'm climbing up that tree. I'll get your kite down free. Watch yourself, watch yourself, you're gonna fall. Oh, I'm so embarrassed I could die. That's okay, it was a manly try. Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, I'm glad to know you.